Hello, everybody. Welcome to Nerdy AF. My name is Kayla, and I'm accompanied by my wonderful co-host, Bench. <laughs> and today we are going to be doing a recap, revisiting of The Matrix. The reason why we chose to do this is because I just started rewatching it for fun, and believe it or not, I actually only watched the whole series for my first time um, two years ago. I think I guess that's two years ago now. Um, and it, it was such a great show. And watching it even today was just something that still blew me away. The graphics were ahead of its time back then. And how it all connected was just a really great story. But me and Finch are going to be talking a little bit about today, reflecting on how it looks like compared to 2023 media, what we kind of think about it, you know, going back with me being a more recent watcher and him already of watching it, you know, back because you watched it when it was released, right? Yeah, I'm old AF and I saw all three of the movies in the theater when they came out. I want to say the first one, what are we talking, 99 that came out, I believe. Yes, um, I think you're right, 99 and then the next were like 2003, right? And both Two and three, I think, came out in 2003, which is like unheard of for movies. Yeah, it was totally unheard of, especially at the time. Um, 99, when the first one came out, um, I was 19 years old. I remember, I think I saw it in the theater like four times. Like at the time, it was so groundbreaking for science fiction movies. I mean, the story in and of itself was a mind fuck, right? That like, you know, it was very existential. Like everything you're seeing is not real. You're really plugged into a machine. There's a ton of symbolism there about capitalism we could get into. But um, the point is, special effects wise, it was just it was mind blowing. That's where they I don't remember specifically what it's called, but it was the new effect they had where they could like mount multiple cameras and like do like a sweep. So that's why like you see like Trinity like jump into the air and like freezes and it like pans around. That was totally groundbreaking cinematography at the time. Now they just do all that with computers. Um, Back then, they actually still had to have like multiple cameras set up. and yeah, and it was the fact that they filmed the next two pretty much like semi at the time and like on top of each other. And then they could just release them like in the same year, which was totally crazy. Like anymore, it'd be like, oh, well, you know, you're going to wait two years in between each film. Um, but yeah, it was it had a huge impact. And for people who aren't um, huge fans or haven't seen it. I recommend doing it because when you talk about the evolution of film, especially in the sci-fi genre, which all of us nerds love, it was it was a major milestone in terms of storytelling, in terms of cinematography, special effects, all those things. I agree. And to you might have to confirm this, but The Matrix, the movie, is based off of a video game, right? No. No? no. Or is it comics? No. Nothing that was all original. I could have sworn I heard something with like either a video game or a comics. No, it spawned all those things. But the first one was straight up original story. There was an animated series called The Animatrix, uh, which I believe is a prequel series to the first Matrix. Um, there were video games that came out, comic books that came out. I mean, it it basically spawned a massive franchise at the time. But no, as I recall, the original movie was just like straight up OG. Like it was totally like original content. And that's that's something that I really did appreciate it. Cause like there's there's not a lot like it. The only thing I could think of, and I was actually making some comparisons since I'd watched Ready Player One just briefly before that. Um, you know, it did remind me a lot. It's kind of funny of like the the comparison, right? People are unintentionally hooked into the matrix and people are basically hooking themselves into their own matrix because reality is not what they want and mm-hmm. that reality is comparable to the ones that they're trying to get into with the matrix granted they don't always know that at the time um but to just that kind of originality and it's just kind of like a spur of like random things you know with like the fighting style um that the cinematography was amazing for that as well and then the storyline of escaping what would be more of like i don't even say a utopia because it's not it's just our basic reality of what we're experiencing even to this day into something that's kind of a excuse my language a shithole right um but with no warning about it and you know i think it'll be really interesting to learn more about the previous neos right you know there's there's hints and talks about that of everyone failing and you know i really am curious on if they had their own trinity and went through those things because it was expected that he was going to do certain things despite having a love and like what went wrong with mm-hmm. all those other 
experiences. Yeah. And there's a fan theory out there and I'll leave this up for the listeners to decide, but I thought it was interesting. I came across this fan theory that um, agent Smith in the movie is a previous Neo that he was one of the, I already, you know, one of the previous cycles. Um, And Hugo Weaving, who plays that role, who I think stole the show. He's such a phenomenal actor. Uh, So many great things. Red Skull and Captain America. I mean, you could go on about the part roles that he's played. But basically, the theory was is that he was a former Neo who then chose to reset the Matrix. And when he chose to reset the Matrix, his consciousness was absorbed into like basically the computer collective that is the machines and then was sent back into the Matrix as an agent, which is the reason why. He shows, unlike all the, because you see several other agents throughout the course of these movies, none of them show facial expressions or get into any kind of conversation other than one word answers. Whereas you have that scene in the very first Matrix where Agent Smith is there with Morbius and he takes his earpiece out and he's talking about how much he needs to get out of there, that he can't stand the filth of the place. It's driving. And you don't see that level of depth to any of the other agents. So it does lend a little bit to that theory. I'm still not, don't know if I'm 100% sold on it, but uh, it's fascinating to think about nonetheless. I agree. And there's even references to them saying like, you are the same. He's like, you're opposite the other side of the coin, right? And so if that's the other side, the the Neos or a Neo before him who made the wrong choice where he was making the right choice or however you want to perceive that being good or bad. Um, I, I think that going back to the, the whole concept of not following the rules and wanting to get out is what everyone who's trying to escape the Matrix does. And that's exactly what he's doing, too. So I, I like that theory and it has a lot of good foundation for them having that same kind of thought process. And the, the first movie, I think by far is still my favorite out of the three slash four that we don't. That's like the stepchild we don't talk about. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it was even as a stand like a standalone movie, like if it ended there, I think it was still like a, a great story. Um, granted, I'm glad that it didn't because there, there was so much more to unravel there. But I I really loved the imagery and for me, for anyone who is watching, who doesn't know anything about me, my favorite color is green. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And seeing that come up, because when you think about coding, when you think about the beginning of this, like the black and the green zero one, zero one, 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 zero, whatever, you know, it's all black and green. And when you look at the actual matrix imagery of when they're going through like um, the tower where he has to try to leave. He's where he's working. Um, and then into like the French guy's whole quarters for eating green and black and gray is literally everywhere. And even in the actual flooring, when they're running, you see, it looks like a zero, which is kind of crazy. I don't know if anyone's ever picked up on that, but I'm someone who likes those little Easter eggs. And I was looking at a lot of them in one zero one. I think that's his door number or there's something very much coding like that there's easter eggs everywhere which are a nod to computer programming Mm -hmm. yeah for sure they got in depth with that um and it's always fun picking up on those kind of things in in those movies and i feel like having seen the movies like i said originally and seeing them multiple times over the years um, but just re-watching them last week, it was interesting. I started picking up on little things I'd never picked up on before. Um, and I feel like that's one of those, those these movies that, you know, the Wachowski brothers made that are so layered with stuff that I feel like I could watch it a hundred times and every single time pick out something else. Cause that, uh, that, that IOI, that 101, I, I caught that for the first time. Yeah. I'm of times I've seen the movie. It's funny. You mentioned that it was the first time I ever caught that. Um, and yeah, I, and yet you have that like juxtaposed by like, quote unquote, the real world, you know, where everything's earth tones and kind of dirty and kind of grungy. Um, and apparently from watching the second one and that gigantic dance party that they had down in Zion, that bras do not exist in Zion. It was Thank not a thing. Lord. They didn't have the resources <laughs> for them. They just like, no, we'll just sheer bandaid. You're good. Dance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I watched but, uh, clip where someone was just going like this yeah. <laughs> i was like did i, did I just see that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and um and, and maybe it was just me I, I you know they at the beginning of the first movie mobius kind of makes the comment that anybody who is in the matrix is technically against them because any one of them could become an agent at any time 
which while I respect that on the same time, there is a lot of wanton destruction of quote unquote, innocent people in these movies. Like the amount of people are just getting blown, like the whole highway chase scene. Right. Oh and God. and the second one where it's like cars are getting flipped and blown up at random. And these are like, you can just see like these pods just like going dark, like all over the place as they're like, just going utter fucking mayhem on the highway. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know when I was watching that, I was just like, everyone just going to die. And like, that's just like, you know, I, I wish they did talk a little bit more about that too. It's like, is that just the end and they get flushed or like, how does that happen? Or do they just wake up from like a bad dream so they can actually like utilize them to the most their capabilities because maybe the matrix itself and you know the how they control it is more control versus someone who's already been unplugged and dying in the matrix right Mm -hmm. where they can't be rest rest resurrected i was gonna say what's the other one like res res words are hard um resuscitated (laughs) that's the one I saw the word in my head and I said, like, resuscitate in my head. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, um, those words resurrected probably would be more accurate because they would have died. Um, So I I think that's always an interesting thing, too. But, yeah, there was a a lot of mass destruction. And, you know, I really do like the fact that they chose to do a lot of... um, hand combat you know that was something you don't really see in a whole lot of movies like they have guns right but they're just not they're just fists which i i really enjoy and as the series progressed they got better and better and oh i just love and then when they had the swords and everything on the walls i was like that's what my house is gonna look like once i get on my 3d printers printing all my weapons and it's just gonna be beautiful and then of course the famous line from the movie i know kung fu you know which is like i mean we could like do a whole other podcast about how badass would be to just like be able to jack information into your brain at any time just be like hey how do i make poached eggs oh okay cool you know or (laughs) how do i drive a forklift i'll be certified too um yeah that would that would be fun but it blew me away you know, the people who are in Zion, who used to be in the Matrix, who now got all these like metal plugs all up their back and down their arms and everything. You could be a real dick with refrigerator magnets and just like walk behind people and like put a banana on their back or like a <laughs> bunch of grapes or, you know. You know, that was a thought that I had too for like the people had grown out their hair. Like, what do you got to do? Part it over and be like, I'm going to put pigtails in and just slam it in the back. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like I didn't notice it. I think until the second movie that like, you still can actually see it. Cause I think like Neo grows his hair out and he turns and I actually could see, or maybe it was Trinity. I can't remember. And that's the thing we should dive into is the fact that they look like they could be siblings. Did you notice that at all? Like there's not a lot of dark haired main characters. And the fact that you have two, who are taller, leaner, same kind of nose. And I'm just like, y'all look like you are siblings. What, is this an episode of uh, <laughs> siblings or dating? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're jacking the Matrix with your sister the other day. <laughs> oh, <dear>. Limited <laughs> options. Am right. I right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's true. And one of the things that I, you know, and I recognize that there's a leap of faith factor here, right? There's only so far you're supposed to delve into this. But if you're somebody like Neo um, and you're still in the Matrix, you remember growing up. You remember being a kid. You remember your parents. So are there, and yet you don't see a lot of children in the Matrix. And yet when you do, they're pretty prominent. Like, you know, there were all the kids that were at the Oracle's house, you know? Mm -hmm. So are there kids in the Matrix? So are these like seven, eight, nine-year-olds who are growing up in the Matrix in their little pod and just going through the whole thing? Um which it makes a whole other interesting dynamic because like, what if there's like, you know, like a two-year-old kid in a car seat, one of the cars on the highway that you just like ran your Ducati through and like blew it up. And now he's getting flushed down to the like flesh reclaimer machine that the machines have. And right. And I think, so, you know, I feel like obviously they can kind of program things. And there was a scene of like a, basically like a, a grown baby that then gets water filled up over it. And so the real question I think should be, is the actual humans 
becoming pregnant within their pods and they're extracting it and transferring it to a different thing. And like, how does that even happen? Because mm-hmm. obviously we know that you can get shot and you can get revived in the matrix. So can you get impregnated in the matrix? Like that's it, that's a confusing theory, right? Um, we don't know that and we probably never will. But I do think that they do grow up from, it looks like, you know, based on that image that we see of the baby getting put in a pod, but maybe what happens is that they could get resurrected by the matrix and then maybe like get programmed with different memories and then boom, or like all they remembered is being in the foster system for some reason. And all those memories were taken away and they get adopted by a new family, you know? Right. Yeah. And there's that scene right before that baby where you can see like, basically it almost looks like uh, this like tower that have all these pods that have like babies in utero in it. Like they're still in like the fetal stage and have umbilical cords. And then, yeah, there's like this big spider looking thing that's plucking them off. And then you see the baby and, and they even said in there that like when the humans die, that basically their bio mass gets reclaimed and is used to feed those who are still in the matrix, like through the feeding tube and everything. So yeah. Yeah. When you like break it down to like it's nitty gritty parts, it's not good. Like it's really gross. Um, yeah, and there's some of the stuff we're talking about. There's probably like some like Matrix super fan who like knows the lore who's going to trash us on the comment section and be like, well, actually, if you had read this, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, we're not talking about that. We're just people who saw the movies. Um, yeah, we're, we're talking theories based on limited evidence. But if people know Easter eggs or theories, you know, we're more than welcome to hear that because I think that's that's interesting. Yeah. And, and diving into, I know we initially, before me and Finch decided to do this podcast, we talked about separating and talking just about like movie and movie, movie and winging it. But I think it's fun to just dive into the theories right now. Um, and I think that I remember seeing a lot of religious connections as well. Um, and I obviously, I can't really remember them off the top of my head, but there were there were a lot of references, biblical references to the whole matrix. And do you remember anything off the top of your head or? Yeah, I could go on a rant about this. Um, For those of you who are interested in this level of storytelling, there is a book by a man by the name of Joseph Campbell called the hero with a thousand faces. Joseph Campbell was a professor of mythology at USC. um, And he wrote this book that is basically breaking down when you see a lot of these common threads. And what he did is he studied mythology from different times different regions of the world and what common threads connected them all and you see a lot of those in the matrix the interesting thing is is that george lucas had joseph campbell as a professor at usc and always said that him taking joseph campbell's class and even having joseph campbell read over his initial draft of star wars had a huge part of its success because you see this hero over and over again jesus christ luke skywalker neo the somebody who seemingly comes from nowhere, who deep inside them has a power and a destiny, and they have to overcome great evil to save the people, right? You see it over and over again, all throughout it. Thousands of years ago, people were telling camp stories, you know, about some hero. You even say, I'm going to go on a limb here. You're even going to see it with Bella Swan in Twilight, the <laughs> nondescript teenage girl who's kind of shy, who, as it turns out, has a special ability. Nobody could predict it, right? Because everybody can identify with that because they feel like, they're not really anything, but they also feel like there's something special, just nobody sees it. And so that, you know, that tugs on those strings, storytelling-wise. That's why it's so successful. Um, I remember at the time there were a lot of people, there were a lot of pastors, there were a lot of priests who were giving sermons based upon the Matrix when those movies were coming out. And the symbolism of like JC and like realizing that he's actually born for something special. It's just regurgitating Joseph Campbell over and over again. Right. Um, But I do remember that at the time and, you know, even talking to like theologians at the time and they were so excited for like the next movie to come out because they were so excited about all these connections that, uh, you know, religion and those kind of things. Yeah. Now I, I think even as like a not an extremely religious person, but having grown up with learning the stories and finding some of those connections is really interesting in how they can be portrayed in movies in a completely different context where, you know, I feel like the Matrix is much more relatable, <laughs> granted, because it's more modern based for one. But exactly what you said is that when we see ourselves, like we see ourselves in a different light and knowing our capabilities or not knowing our capabilities, but having other people recognize that in us and seeing our potential and then wanting to live up to it, which is exactly basically what Neo was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that like the first movie, I love that one. 
the second movie I thought was really interesting where, where he did have like the whole dilemma, you know, and I was thinking about that too. Like, what would I do? Would I do exactly what Neo did and like save the human people or would I go for the person I love? And honestly, like, I think I would just choose the option where I'm not going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not the other person. <laughs> probably what Neo did. Like he had full confidence in himself at that point. But like, I don't have that kind of confidence. <laughs> I fall over walking up the stairs. I'm not going to be flying like Superman anytime soon. <laughs> well, I think first and foremost, you'd have to ask yourself if Trinity's worth it. Like, wasn't that really a lack of options thing? Right. I, th- I think potentially a lack of options, potentially destiny intertwining them, but also like family tree intertwining. Yeah. Character (laughs) development for her was piss poor. Yes. And I'm the one kind of dressed up as her right now, but (laughs) (laughs) that was my only option. Like female representation was fairly limited and a lot of people died off. Um, But like, I felt like there was much more chemistry between, um, I forget his name. He was the guy on the ship, though, and he had the girlfriend back home. Oh, Niobe and Mobius. What? Mobius and uh, Niobe was his extra. The other one, the other couple. Oh, oh. Where she put the necklace on him. I just forget their names at this point. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. It's like something like Locke, wasn't it? There was Dozer, and then there was mouse or something i don't know yeah but y'all know whoever has watched it or if you haven't watched it there's a couple there and she puts like a necklace on him and says like you know for good luck and all that stuff and i think that their romantic storyline had way more romance chemistry and depth to it compared to neo and trinity i'm just like these are just two siblings which made me just weirded out to begin with but also like you don't see her learn to love him it's just all of a sudden she sees him then she loves him and then she's stuck on him. And it's just like that didn't that had such little depth and like why so I didn't really care about her as a character because there was nothing to build her up. Mm-hmm. There was not a lot that she did, I think, that created value for her character. It just like was already expected of her to be fighting and going to the matrix and just kicking ass, which I loved her scenes, but it was just very baseline with with that kind of depth. Yeah, the chemistry between them was very cardboard. Like, it was just kind of like, you know, like she had been told by the Oracle that she would fall in love with the one who's the one. And here's this guy, and we get him out, and you see him naked and bald with no eyebrows. That freaked me out. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right there, I'd be like, put me back in. (laughs) F this. Like, last night I stayed up late playing. Right, yeah. (laughs) Powder. Um, for those <laughs> '90s people out there, um, yeah, there wasn't there because there was no moment, there was no building up of a relationship between them where they developed a connection. It was just they were there. It was proximity, you know. And I, there was no moment where it's like, oh my god, I, you know, I love you. You know, they didn't like bond over some kind of hobby or some special moment. It was just, well, we're here. I guess we're soulmates, right? Right. Yeah. And again, talking about other character depth, like the French man and then like his girl wife, I guess, like there was more yearning in love from her character than I really felt like even came from Trinity, which that whole like the kiss scene um, and Trinity having to sit there, that was rough for me to watch. I'm like, okay, this girl literally just has never really felt true love. And that's so depressing. Mm hmm. That she has to just seek it from someone random. I'm like, that that's really sad. And she's a program. Yeah. That was the other part, too. It's like, girl, the whole thing's full of programs. Get out there. <laughs> but granted, <laughs> the, the French guy knows everything, right? Right. Which we never really get to know. At least I, I can't remember when I was watching why he has gained so much power. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and the interesting thing about that and the, the wife's the character's name is Persephone. Um, the actress Monica Bellucci, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. And there's an interesting bit of cinematography there because whenever you're talking about film, um, you whenever you see a character dressed in black, it can represent two things. It can represent evil or it can represent good as in like Priestley, which is the interesting thing. Like you look at Star Wars, you see Darth Vader, he's in black, right? 
white represents purity and innocence and hope. Which if you look at Luke Skywalker through the original three and the first one, he's dressed in all white and Empire Strikes Back, he's wearing gray. And in Return of the Jedi, he's wearing black. And even then, towards the end of the fight with Vader, part of his like tunic thing is ripped forward and his there's a white triangle on his chest. So but so what you see is you see a lot of characters in these movies who are all dressed in black and they represent good and bad, depending upon who the character is. Whereas Persephone is in all white. She's wearing that white dress, which right off the bat tells you that she's not exactly a bad person. She's probably a pure spirit, even though she's a program, represents hope. Um, and yeah, you are absolutely right. Like that dynamic and her acting and her writing in that scene gave more emotional feelings than Neo and Trinity did throughout all three movies. Agreed. Yeah, I 100%. And so like it does feel like the main story is about Neo and Trinity, but I think all literally all of their surrounding counterparts had more significance, which maybe that was the point. I'm not quite sure to focus on those little things as the main thing was happening. You're being led through in more of a logical way versus a romantic or feely way. But yeah, I agree that imagery does play a huge role. And going to, into that imagery further, thinking about like the glasses, like I noticed this significantly in, I was going to say season three, <laughs> movie three, um, and looking at movie one, right? So like when Neil felt confident in himself and his skills, that's when he started donning the all black, wearing the glasses. And at the end, I don't know if you noticed this, but like when he is fighting Agent Smith, like he was, they were kicking each other so hard. And then like his glasses break and he throws it off. And, and then they're fighting some more and he's like really getting heated and that's where i think like the glasses are almost like an identity like this is my matrix identity and when you take it off this is my full encompassing identity and then when he goes after um agent smith half of his glasses break off like he's stuck in between before he ends up just ripping them off like acknowledging the fact again identities of taking ownership of i'm not an agent anymore i'm a virus and this is my whole identity which I noticed it at the very end, my second time through, and I was like, this is kind of like a mask that they're taking off and taking ownership for being different after having a little bit of conformity with confidence by adding the glasses and taking them off. They, they change that up. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's very interesting. You say that I agree a hundred percent. And (laughs) while you were saying all that, it occurred to me, if you remember the scene uh, towards the end of the first movie, the one we were talking about earlier where Agent Smith is getting real with uh, Mobius and he, Agent Smith wears his glasses that whole movie. And in that one moment, he takes his glasses off in that private moment and gets right in his ear. And it's like if this goes right in with what you were saying, where it's like in that moment, he dropped his mask and was real. And it was like, I need to get the F out of here. This place sucks. So just right. let me kill all your friends <laughs> and then I can get out of here, you know? But yeah, I think you nailed it for sure. Yeah. And you think about it, like when we're trying to put on a disguise, if celebrities are going out to paparazzi, what do they do? They put on a cap, they put on sunglasses and mostly the sunglasses, what can really cover up a big chunk of the face and that kind of identity. But I felt like I just hit like the Powerball when I discovered that. And I do think that that's probably what they're going for. And being someone who I've spent some, you know, I took one class granted, but I have done a lot of like film study, looking at that imagery, certain scenes and things like that. Um, I I do really feel like that played a pretty big role. And I think, I feel like doing a further analysis for the series would be really enjoyable. And that's going into my um, segue of the fourth movie which i didn't watch more recently and you didn't watch more recently it's been a while since we both watched that we didn't feel like we wanted to but the amount of color that i did see in that movie and more white it's like things have been cleansed and renewed but it didn't feel anything like it just wasn't it for me Mm. but i did think that in that movie there was more depth to Trinity because if I remember correctly, she had to like restart over, right? She stayed alive, but she got kind of put back into the matrix. Um, I can't remember exactly. I think I, I might just be dreaming. I don't know. 
yeah um i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it because i i I remember thinking like how is she still alive i get that it's great for writing but like she got railroaded by a bunch of rebar like she's just (laughs) like like i'm fine and he's like oh trinity Oh, I'm gonna need some Neosporin. Like it's just like, like Neosporin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent in a catch. tub of it. <laughs> yeah, look at Kayla with I, the dad jokes. <laughs> it's the sunglasses. It's my new identity. <laughs> We're gonna get you some jorts and a belt and a grill. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think I already did that. It was my cosplay of you, Finch, except yeah, that's I was right. lacking the grill. <laughs> that, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was, I, <laughs> I remember watching that back and I was just like, I I was like, I remember it being bad, but I couldn't remember exactly what had happened to her. And he's like, oh, is it bad? And then she just goes impaled, but not by one thing of rebar, but right. like six. Yeah. <laughs> which oh i'm sorry that was just so funny yes and anybody who has any medical background whatsoever will be able to say right off the bat she's not speaking if that's literally sticking through she's dead she was dead on impact you're gonna sit there and have a heartfelt moment no 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 she sat there or excuse me laid there (laughs) impaled for so long (laughs) having the longest conversation i'm like I couldn't even have that long of a like conversation just walking briefly on the treadmill. I would be out of breath. Can't I wouldn't confirm. be able to have that. <laughs> be like, I have something important to tell you. God, God, I can't my breath. I'm kind of impaled here. Yeah. Oh, by the way, <laughs> Trinity, what the? I just kept waiting for it to be like the the Midwest, like, oh, it's not a big deal. I don't want to be a bother. Don't worry about me. Go ahead and save human race. I'm just gonna hang here. You know, just put like, the leftovers in the cool whip container. I'll right. take them home. Yeah. <laughs> I put raisins in the potato salad. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> like thin. <laughs> yeah, that uh, you know. I think it's funny and I wonder if they did that intentionally just for like a, a literal like shock factor or because it felt intense at the time to show how bad it was. But regardless, I, I laugh about that and I will laugh about that forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then like right before that, when like the ship breaks through the clouds, you can see the sun and the look on Trinity's face find a woman who looks at you the way Trinity looks at the sun. Cause she never once looked at Neo that way. That's why I think that whole thing was just, well, we're stuck in this boat together. We might as well be soulmates because the way she looked at that sun, that was like the best acting she did. in all three of those movies was like, Whoa, that's the sun. Um, yeah. I, both of them. And we had talked about that just a little bit before coming on too, is that, you know, I love Mr. Reeves more than anybody or like as probably as much as everybody, but like, both of them they don't blink a whole lot i don't know if you noticed that but it's just intense staring and being like trinity i have to go into the matrix yeah. <laughs> I'll be the, inf- the inflections or inf- inflections or whatever of the tone like they both were just blank stares which i don't want this to be a complaining video and i'm turning it into one sorry but because like the writing is so good but the acting was poor and I don't know if it got better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, nothing against Keanu Reeves. He makes some great movies. But we were talking before we started recording. That guy's not winning an Oscar anytime soon. I mean, no. when you play the same character in virtually every movie where you just give a deadpan stare and read your lines. I mean, again, I know Kung Fu. Like if that isn't one, like it was a famous line, but it's also like cringeworthy as hell. Like, yeah. like I remember seeing that in the theater, like when it for like literally it premiered Friday, there was no time. We didn't even have the internet back then for like internet reactions and social media. And I remember we, sitting in a the theater when he said that, and like the audience laughed in the theater, laughed when he said, I know Kung Fu because it was so bad. It was such a terrible line and delivered so poorly. Um, but on the other thing, does it, I don't know if you caught this, but Niobe in those movies, um, specifically the second third one, who's played by Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, oh. Kind of um, 
kind of feels a little bit different now after the whole like Will Smith, Chris Rock thing. Like you're kind of like, I remember like watching it again and being like, yeah, she could die. I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, can, yeah. can her ship blow up? Machines can get hurt. Just her. That's okay. We can sacrifice her. And again, you know, thinking like that's the <laughs> we can sacrifice her. Um, I liked her acting, and you know, with the Matrix, I enjoyed having some strong female roles throughout everything, and it wasn't pushy by any means. It was just that they were there, they cared, and they fought, right? Um, and I think that she did fit into that category. Um, but again, like even her her relationship with both men actually lacked substance again um and i think when you when the lack of options but then you see everyone dancing in zion like you can have options (laughs) and there was a lot of good ones when i was watching through i'm like i like this this is a nice crowd i would party hardy over here (laughs) a lot of muscles and no bras yes yeah yeah um but yeah, so overall, conclusions of the first couple movies is lack of emotional depth, great writing in general, though, acting, meh, but like, I I easily will watch that over and over again, just because the concept was so truly original. And like, I think I had dreams about being the Matrix since then. And those dreams were wild. And if I can have wild dreams like that, like, I feel like there's potential to go you know, the fourth movie was kind of meh. But, you know, thinking about some twists on it, like a prequel, like you said, um, I think you said there was already something made, but like looking into that um, or the generations to come, like I know that there's like robots and peace happening, but like what happens for the people who want to stay in the Matrix and then their kids, like a modern version, you know, if people were in Zion wanting to go into the Matrix and stay there. Yeah. Like what would that look like or what kind of would they have more control knowing and going into it would they be affected by agents or you know well and just, ima- what would that look like? yeah and imagine like what a mind fuck it would be if you are married you have two children and then one day you get yanked from the matrix and find out that your husband is not real and your kids are not real or they may be real people but they are not, not biologically yours and they are somewhere in the vast seas of people plugged into the matrix that you would never be able to find them. And now you're in this like grungy world where you're eating like slop oatmeal out of, a, <laughs> out of a tube in the ceiling. And like, imagine like that would drive you insane. I have to imagine that they would have to have rules where they're like, they don't pull people out of the matrix who are like married with children because yeah, you'd like go insane. Of course, maybe those would be the best fighters. They'd be the, like, you get a really angle, like you get a Karen. You get a Karen and you yank her out of the matrix and get her pissed at the machines. Oh, I don't stand a chance. So get an army. Yeah. Of them. Literally, That's going to be my yeah. sequel. We're going to write that movie matrix five, the army of Karen's so it's new oh tactic. My. The humans have. <laughs> that would be absolutely hilarious. Could you imagine instead of agents? It's just a bunch of like mean older aged women being like, I'm a corpse. And it's like just handwritten and it's like for like 90% off of at McDonald's or something. <laughs> I want to speak to the but... manager. I said no ice on my iced coffee and now it's hot. Um... Fix it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just and... chaotic matrix. Yeah. I I would absolutely pay good money to see that. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that that whole concept would be would be very, very interesting. And speaking of the matriarchy, let's switch it over to the patriarchy. Uh, When we get this moment where Neo meets the architect, and of course it's an old white guy. In a white room with many TVs. Yeah, I think he's wearing like a white-ish kind of suit. Um, Has a very like Wizard of Oz type feel to it. Like you find behind it, it's just this like crusty old guy who's just like, ergo. Um, He wasn't that crusty. He looked fairly good. Were you wearing those sunglasses when you saw it? <laughs> no, but I've seen some not so like he looked he looked fairly decent for you've seen guy. crustier. Yes. Is what you're saying. <laughs> okay. Um as a side note, I want to say to all you youngins out there that when I think it was when the second or the third movie came out, 
and MTV had their VMAs, their video music awards that year. Justin Timberlake and Sean William Scott did like a matrix intro to the VMAs that year. And it was hysterical. Literally just Google Justin Timberlake, the matrix. And it is a hilarious video. You will love the hell out of it. It'll give you a good laugh. It's got Andy Dick. I think they're doing like the party at Zion. Um, yeah. Worth checking out that, that that's going to be my parting shot on the whole thing is my, my gift to humanity is reawakening the YouTube hits on that one. Cause that came out before YouTube existed. So I love that. Is that all we got? Mm-hmm. Or do you got I think, yeah. Number three, I can't really, it just didn't give me a really good punch for things, but although I really did like the the scene. I forget his name, but he's like, knuckle up. Bah, 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 bah. And he just like absolutely massacred. <laughs> Is that going to be made into a meme? Are you making that into a meme in your head right now? Probably. <laughs> just knuckle have both up. of us just like this. And then him and the <laughs> just knuckle up. <laughs> But it was just, it was, it was heartwarming to see it. And then he just gets absolutely slaughtered. Like his face is wrecked. And honestly, uh, when I saw that, I was like, this man just marched into it. He's a little bit psycho. And I respect that. Um, I really liked that scene. It felt pretty powerful and definitely like a sacrifice. But other than that, like the third movie didn't really have a huge huge impact on me i don't mm. think well i remember the ending of the time was super controversial and i still feel this way because when you have this war between man and machine and it essentially ends with a handshake truce right yeah. of the machines just being like well we asked neo to save the matrix and he did so now we can st- keep harvesting power off of human beings and so we agreed to leave you alone so we're going to go ahead and leave you alone like how is any part of that binding like the machines had humans by the nutsack, right? Like they were already into Zion. They could have just been like, yeah, we just said that, but let's face it, we're machines. We don't have morality and just could have like eradicated the entire human resistance right then and there. But instead they're like, okay. And then the sun's coming up and blah, 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 blah. and you're like, you see, I remember leaving the theater and everybody's like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, it was weird. But in reality, like when they said, oh yeah, machines are prepared for that kind of dis- extinction. I don't think they were, you know, right. in reality, like they're not self-sustainable. Um, they they had no proof of being that way. So I, I think it was just truly like a bluff. Um, so they kind of had to make a compromise, but like thinking about today or like, like you said, when we know that reality, how many people would truly choose that? Mm-hmm. I know I probably would not. If I had a choice to live a good life in the matrix have my things taken care of, have a fairly mundane life and enjoy it to the the most of my capabilities, probably choose that versus going to war, dying at the age of 32, and that's it. But yeah. I also have extreme fears of death. So I think I would feel safer in the matrix versus, you know, out and about. Yeah, I think um, age and life circumstance has a lot to do with it. I remember being a teenager and seeing the first one in theaters and being like, oh, hell yeah. I'd be right there next to Neo, just like bah, 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 knuckling up these bastards. You know, um, now that I'm 43 and have a Jeep Cherokee and a 401k, I'm pretty good, bro. <laughs> like, I'm not much used to the resistance. If you plug me out of this thing and I'm just like living deep underground where life sucks. Yeah, I kind of like going to Comic-Con. Right. I kind of <laughs> like cosplaying. I kind of like podcasting. They don't have podcasts. Oh, that's what we could do. Nerdy AF live from Zion. They could get us out of the matrix and we'll like start the first podcast down there. We'll go viral in a way they've oh never seen God. because there's no other podcast. I just have like an old projector screen that they pull down or no, it's just like broadcasted on a rock <laughs> um, with who knows what technology. Right. Um, it's just probably us sitting in front of everyone with like these like cones and being like the people of zion welcome to nerdy af the voice of the resistance (laughs) we're gonna play dress up now so (laughs) we're gonna dress up like heroes what's a hero okay listen 
Neo. <laughs> we're going to dress up as Neo. Yeah, we're all dressing up as Neo. <laughs> He's our only <laughs> superhero. Literally the only one. <laughs> Who is Superman? <laughs> There's this guy named Clark Kent, this guy named Bruce Wayne. And okay, you'll just have to see it because when I explain it, it doesn't make any sense. But um, could you yeah. imagine, though, the people hooked into the Matrix knowing those things versus the people who grew up outside of the Matrix? And then you're like, putting on a play of like Batman versus Superman. Right. Yeah. That would be glorious. We could be heroes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. It reminds me of that. There was that movie called Reign of Fire came out in the early 2000s, which is like post-apocalyptic where like dragons had like decimated everything. And it had been like decades since. And at one point in time, this like old British castle, these like, people were attempting to put on a play of like the first star Wars movie. And the kids eyes were just like in wonder. Cause none of them had ever seen a TV before. That's what we'd be like. And I got to imagine in Zion, they got to have like bars just for people who were in the matrix. They're like, you wouldn't understand. You wouldn't understand. We really miss caramel macchiatos. Really miss them. <laughs> I would miss dogs. There, there were none to be seen. And no, makes me sad. no, not even in the Korean district, which is weird. You know, um, <laughs> that's the one. That's the one to get canceled on. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree though. Like it would, and by the way, with the whole podcast thing, we just went like a whole nother level of meta. Like that was like, yeah, that was like you're actually the one in the matrix. Cheers to that. Um, so yeah, it sounds like both Finch and I would take the pill to stay in the matrix, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, in a heartbeat facts yeah and i have no complaints about that and i think a majority of the people would do the same and happily give their lives to feed other humans oh that just makes me want to throw up yeah i mean i'm not using it anymore let somebody else get some i don't know vitamin c out of it i guess some protein Mm. yeah and you think it's that nice tasty steak you're getting your iron and you're really jeffrey dahmer (laughs) yeah it's really just my big toe Suck it. <laughs> God, literally. <laughs> that juicy, nice popsicle, Finch's toe. <laughs> it's getting pumped into your throat and you can't stop it. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> well, <laughs> so sorry. And part of the whole pill thing is you don't get to see what's on the other side. Like, if they're like, you could take the pill and come live this reality, and Trinity is going to be your ideal woman. I'm like, no, keep me in. No, that in. girl in the red dress. I'm staying. Yeah, yeah. If they <laughs> if they redid that movie and cast like Emma Watson as Trinity, I'm taking that pill. Like, get me yeah. out of this machine. I I am going to do sit ups until I can do sit ups again. <laughs> I'm going to grow these eyebrows back with a fury, <laughs> and I will join the resistance. Absolutely, but yeah, Trinity. Yeah, sorry, looks way too much like Neo. Literally, yeah. It, just, it it gave me weird vibes with that. And, you know, I'm trying to think of it, who would convince me, like, celebrity-wise to stay. But I don't know who. Finch, do you know who I would want? Oh, <clears throat> good Lord. Um, what was her name from Deadpool and The Mandalorian? Gina Carino? I like her, but it's more like I want to look like her. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. Imagine... They recast Neo as Carl Urban. And he's like, got the sunglasses and he's like, Oi, cut. You want to join the resistance? You know, you're like, Sign me up, yeah. Daddy Carl. Sign <laughs> yeah. me up. You have got Carl, yes. I do like the fact that you were trying to think of Gina first, though. <laughs> but yes, Carl for sure. And I feel like. I'm trying to think of who I want to fit, like if who my Trinity would be. Mm. But I don't think like Florence Pugh, I'm a big fan of her. Um, but also I forget her name, but she's the girl in the mummy movie. Oh, you talking about the mummy movies with Brendan Fraser or the most recent one with Tom Cruise? Oh, there's one with Tom Cruise. Yeah, it actually wasn't terrible. Ew. Oh, okay. I'll watch it. But um, the one with Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah. She uh, was the um, like the Rachel mother. Yeah, Rachel Wise. Yeah. Wise. Okay, yeah. 
I like her. Um, she played Red Guardian's wife. I know. And yeah, she did a wonderful sense. job with that. Yeah. Oh, and the mom from Spy Kids. Who's the mom in Spy Kids? She's also the mom, for anyone who hasn't watched The Haunting of Bly Manor or Hill House, she's in both of those. <gasps> oh, actually, speaking of that, I have it. Um, Whoever plays uh, Theodora in The Haunting of, I think it's Hill House or Bly Manor. It's one of them. They have a lot of the same actors and actresses in the same movies. Okay. I just can't remember which one came first. Are you, you ta- watch that thing, Are you talking you about Carla Gugino? Yes. Yes. She's amazing. Have you seen The Watchmen? No. It's on my bucket list now. <laughs> yeah, she's in it and it's worth it. She plays Silk Spectre and ooh. Um I think I think she would be a good Trinity. Ooh, it got hot in the Matrix. Um woo. We're getting flustered. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Jeez. All this computer and code talk. Can't take it. It's beautiful. <laughs> well, I think we, we covered most of what we want to talk about with The Matrix. Again, wonderful movies. You know, great screenwriting. A lot of hidden Easter eggs. So if you know more that you think would be interesting for us to know, feel free. We're obviously not the experts in the topic, but we just we love diving into these things as much as we're capable without doing the research <laughs> but experts are welcome yeah yeah dm um instagram comment instagram facebook comment on the youtube yeah yeah we love hearing about that um i'm all interested um and we managed to do that with only getting off on about 17 side tangents and that's <laughs> pretty good for us all things yeah. considered so i'm gonna call it a win yeah i think ending on who we wish our trinity would be is a wonderful way to wrap it up so Thank you, everybody, for listening today. This was great. And we want to try to do more things like this, either recapping, you know, TV shows, movies, cult classics, and the newer stuff, or just kind of getting into different topics of things. But for for now, we wish you adieu, or without further ado, I don't know. Goodbye. <laughs> Welcome to Nerdy AF, and goodbye. <laughs> Peace out.